Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team the mount rushmore of broadcasting he's not on it but he's on this podcast welcome to the jim day podcast hey 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 and welcome again to the jim day podcast we appreciate you checking us out we hope you'll subscribe rate and review as we are back for the attack, trying to make some audio magic, although we probably fall a little short of that. But we give it our best effort anyways, and we are back uh, with another trip down memory lane today. He was once traded for Tom Seaver, and they call him the glue. Please welcome to the Jim Day Podcast, Mr. Doug Flynn. Dougie, how we doing? J.D., uh what did everybody else just say they couldn't do the show today and you said well let's go get him he's up here i think if people look back into the archives and we invite you to do that yes that you will see that uh, a lot of them are my favorite people i'm not gonna lie about it but you don't have any fun when you do these (laughs) no i do have some fun although we've had some serious moments as well well you won't Uh, today no no seriously i don't think so i don't think that's good well well you can tell that um you know, a lot of them are my favorite people, and you are in that category, Thank my you. friend. I'm honored. Thank you. It is uh, tremendous to be around you in spring training and elsewhere, and you and your wife, Olga, just proud to call you guys friends. Well, back at you, buddy. We had a good time when we went on our little cruise and got to yeah. know each other a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I watch. I think that what you do uh, for this ball club is amazing because you got a talent out there with people that uh, you can't teach a lot of that. And, Come so natural for you. Uh, most of us got to work at that stuff. Oh, come on. Now, this Seriously? podcast is not about me. It's about the guests. Oh, I thought I was doing you. No, 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 no. Oh. We're interviewing you. Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> the self-proclaimed glue of the Big Red Machine. Well, it's weird for me that uh, I used to have a poster in my room. It was oh. the 76 Reds team picture. And you're in it. I think you had a big chow on your mouth. I don't gum. know. Was it gum? No. Oh, officially. <laughs> For the record, now it was gum. Back then, it was probably as far as you know. As far as I know, yeah. But as a kid, I used to stare at that picture, and I'd be thinking, "Man, what was Doug Flynn thinking at that moment? What was Joe Morgan thinking? What was Bench doing right before this picture?" And it was just, you know, back in the day when you didn't have anything else, posters were big. big. Yeah. So I can tell you what I was thinking. What were you thinking? Nothing. I was, you know, get this dead gum picture over with right now. Cause in the, I don't know if it's still like that when you take a team picture, but it takes forever. Oh yeah. Cause you got some guys that'll be kind of late. Then you got the veterans getting on people and they're just 
sick of it. They've been well, taking Well, especially pictures. that group where you guys are ripping oh, on each other. Right? It, it was one big rip. But you had to be a part of the group. You couldn't just jump in and rip somebody. Yeah. I mean, if you were the big four, you couldn't yeah. rip them or you got buried by the big four. <laughs> so, And then as a young kid, as a rookie, I had nobody to rip because yeah. here I am, 24 years old, my first year, and then – you know, and I look at those pictures. The second year, I did have something in my mouth because Bill Plummer and Daryl Cheney taught me the art of wrapping bubble gum around tobacco to chew, ah. and that may have been one of my first experiences with it. Really? And unfortunately, it did become quite a habit. So habits you don't do anymore, though, right? No, 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 no. Can't do that anymore. You go through a little cancer surgery, that kind of lets you yeah. know you probably shouldn't be doing it. Too. Yeah, I know you've uh, you've had your moments of, uh, what was the surgery exactly? Had thyroid cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, went in, Anytime took the thyroid the out. the C word, man. You... Too many of our buddies, man, yeah. they're going that way. And, uh, you know, I often wondered when you see most of the injuries to our guys from our era that are life-threatening seem to be the ones from the neck up. Yeah. And you often wonder, was it chemicals on the field? Because, you know, now they throw a ball out after it hits the dirt. Back then you might play with a ball for an inning. Yeah. So it's rolling through the grass with chemicals. And if you played on AstroTurf, you had that big Zamboni, and they would put some kind of junk on there to clean it. All the time. You're yeah. always licking your fingers. So I often wonder if that had anything to do wow, with it. Wow, I've but, never thought about that. Yeah. But, so I don't yeah. know. Uh, and maybe it didn't. But was that going to stop any of us from doing that? Well, Lord, yeah. no. Because well, we was cool, baby. We was cool. <laughs> Are you good to go now? Good to go, baby. Good to go. Yeah, my All voice right. every now and then gets a little weak because uh, they did a little vocal cord damage, and it's a yeah. little raspy, but I can do a little Joe Cocker now. What would you do? And I was like, so I'm, I'm ready to go, baby. Wow. <laughs> Let a little Joe Cocker on us again. I like that. Oh, I have to, well, you got to pay for that. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. That's big-time entertainment. I've seen you sing at events now. Come you on, have? Now, why are you going to be shot? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see. Oh, you know, we just finished our big golf event. Yeah. And we put a band together, and we all get up there and yeah. have some fun. So don't be shy now. Why, why would you well, be shy Well, if now? I knew the words, I would probably sing it. <laughs> well, Joe Cocker, you know, you kind of just mumble. You just it's mumble. Like, yeah, it's kind of yeah. like Dylan in a Hey, I got an idea. You and I need to do us a duet as somebody oh, else. Really? We think. Hmm. I have to think about who I got to sing like. Well, it know. doesn't matter. I mean, as long as it wasn't us. <laughs> That's true. Because then they can't say you stink. They can say your impression of somebody really stinks. But <laughs> that is a good call because you know, at home I play a little guitar and as, sing as from do time I. to time. But I'm real private about it. I don't go out I know. public. And why? I mean, because you're in you're in front of millions. All yeah, the time. but I'm not that good. I, you know, at least I don't think so. It's, you Other people what? are like, well, you know, you're not not so bad. But I'm like, eh. uh, we can get you there. Uh, we can get know. you there. Uh, you realize, as you know, it just takes a little guts. Takes a little guts or maybe no. a prodding from Johnny Bench or something. like. Well, get, the like, prodding right? would be getting the mic away from Johnny Bench. That would be the prodding. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Johnny. Almost. It was your friend Doug Flynn. He knows that. words to, I mean, he and I have got, our relationship has got huge over the years because yeah. we do so many events together. But he knows some words to almost every country song ever written well the dude was sang sang on hee-haw well that's true that's true i mean i mean how many people sing on hee-haw uh, younger generation many. like hee-haw yeah. what and that was pretty much oh, what it was you like. appreciate this I, sp oh. <laughs> I spoke to a group the other day and i made a seinfeld reference they got nothing and i went well i guess it wouldn't do you any good to tell you who i played ball with then because if you don't know who seinfeld is <laughs> yeah. they just looked at me with that deer in the headlight look and really? i went wow oh, man and then think back it's been how many years now 1975 and six when, when we had those pretty good teams here and wow time is it's flown by pretty good teams 
<laughs> okay, great. and I had great seats. Yeah, you did. Now, tell me, you're known as the glue. Now, where where did the glue come from? Who named you the glue? I'm not sure who named me, but I took it and ran with it, <laughs> as, as one humble person would do. Uh, we were doing the statues. Remember, at the Hall of Fame was doing all the statues of the guys. Yeah, and it may have been the night they brought the great eight in. And I don't remember if that was for Joe's or yeah, it wasn't Johnny's or Pete's. I think it might have been for Tony. I don't know. Yeah. So one of them, they brought the grade eight in. So I was emceeing the little thing on Friday night. So I had to introduce them, bring them up. So I get them on stage and I was feeling a little frisky. And I looked over at them and I went, grade eight. Every book you read about is a grade eight. You don't hear nothing about those other 17 players on that ball club. Let's have a little fun. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, the most overrated group of players in the history of the game. <laughs> and I'm starting to get looks now like, where is oh, yeah. this going? You know, yeah. what, what the boy been drinking? From those guys and the crowd. Oh, like, those guys, every one of them, I've got their attention now. And I said, well, let's do a little history lesson. And I pointed to them and I said, in 1970, these guys went out and got beat by Baltimore. In the World Series. In the World Series. In 1972, these guys went to the World Series, got beat again by Oakland. Yeah. 73, the Mets beat them. They don't even get out of the league. 74, they disappear. Didn't make the playoffs. 75, a little country kid from Kentucky makes the club, and they win the World Series. 76, they bring that little country boy back again. They win the World Series again. They trade the country boy in 77. They don't win again. You do the math. <laughs> and some guy in the back collars the glue. Nice, and, and nice. I and I don't know who it was, but I've always wanted to help, and I do a lot of work with military organizations. Yeah. So what we did is we had some shirts made up. Bobby Bench helped me get them made up, and it's got my picture, 1975, 76, the glue, and we sell those shirts, and all the proceeds go to military families to help out. So we've had a ball with them. Josh Sneed, locally, a comedian, yeah. and has Cincy shirts, makes them, mm -hmm. and uh, so we just had a good time with it. Yeah, so. that's tremendous. I remember doing a radio game with you last <laughs> year, and I was like, wow, he's got the shirt on of the glue. What a self-promoter this guy is. <laughs> and then he laid on me, hey, it's for to help the military. I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> put my foot in my mouth. Aren't I a jerk? So, And we've had really a good time. So we go to Camp Lejeune, do something. I'll be in Louisville for USA Cares, big gala, and we auction off. Uh, we don't auction, but we sell the shirts and we mm -hmm. give all the proceeds back to the military. So it's just, you know, I didn't serve in the military. And a uh, lot of our guys like Johnny and Pete, they were in National Guard and stuff. And I yeah. wanted, I said, what can I do to help? Because I got a chance to have a really good career thanks to those folks who made those sacrifices. So it's just a small way to help out. No, that's tremendous. And yeah. you're always a guy that, that's given back. Yeah. So um, the... What did you guys call yourselves outside of the grade eight? The, the, we can say that on here. We can say that. The turds, right? That's it. I actually <laughs> used it at the banquet that night. <laughs> I said, Mr. Castellini, you know, there's some of us here that we, we're not the grade eight. And I said, we were known as the turds. And Miss Castellini was there. And I just said, am I allowed to say that at this banquet? And I said, because then it was a term of endearment. You know, George Sugar named us. You bunch of turds. Let's go. You're not playing today. So... That's what we called ourselves. Uh, George Foster was one before Pete came to third, and George went to left field. So it was, you know, oh, those never, are, you know, George Foster gets on me all the time. I never have any ammunition, so he was once a turd. He I was an original turd. That's yeah, right. Yeah, because he came up. Uh, what and wow, he yeah, he was because he wasn't starting in '75 yeah. until Pete made that move right. into third. You know, he had Dreesen and me and Youngblood and Merv Retman, Daryl Cheney, Plummer, Crowley. Uh, you know, Bob Bailey, all of us, we were the turds. And, and uh, <laughs> so I said, Mr. Castellini, you know, someplace in that vast amount of space you have at that ballpark, there can't be like a little plaque. 
I know the appropriate place. There's a men's room right up above the left field foul line. And but we want to thank the turds for their contribution to the Cincinnati Reds. Don't you think that'd be cool? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you look back on the big red machine. And there were only a, so many games that the actual grade eight started games together because Sparky shared the wealth and, uh, you know, rested those guys. I don't know the exact number, but it wasn't over 100 games. No, I, I'm thinking it was like 60, 58, yeah. 60, something like that, where they actually all – but they were pretty good when they played together. It you may think? be more than that. So, <laughs> I mean, you look at, at that ball club. Funny story, Daryl Chaney wasn't playing a lot. And so he was mm-hmm. a utility player like me. Daryl had been a starting shortstop. So he decided to have a meeting with Sparky one day. Sparky, I think I need to play a little more. Sparky said, Daryl, I think we need to talk about that. I've been thinking about that myself. So he goes into the office and he said, now, Daryl, tell me where you'd like to play. He said, well, first of all, let's go around. He says, we're probably not going to catch you because, you know, we got the greatest catcher of all time there. He says, but now you're an infielder, so let's look around. We'll put you – well, we can't put you at third, Daryl, because that guy's going to have more hits than anybody that's ever played the game. Shortstop, Daryl, you've played shortstop a lot. Well, I don't know. This guy's a five-time gold glover. He may be the best shortstop in baseball. Well, second – no, can't go to second. He says, this guy's a two-time MVP. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I see Tony's knocking in 90, and he went through that whole thong. Foster hit 50 home runs. Geronimo's a four-time gold glover. Griffey's hitting 300. And he said he finished, and he just looked at Daryl, and Daryl stood up and said, nice talk, Sparky. <laughs> Tough lineup to crack. I mean, you would go on and win a gold glove in your career, so it's not like you were a turd your entire life. No, it was just a turd winning a gold glove, actually. Uh, but, you know, I took a lot of pride. My defense came a lot easier for me than the offensive part, which was never easy. I just – if I worked and worked and worked, but my mechanics were so bad. And in those days, if you look around all the guys that were playing the infield, like of Chaney or an Ozzie Smith or a Buddy Harrelson – uh, Mark Belanger, all of us were all hitting 230, 240. Yeah. Our job was to set up the defense, play good D. You had enough guys providing the offense. And we all weighed about a hump, anywhere between 155 to 170 pounds. That has certainly changed. So it was oh, a different era, yeah. different game. Uh, we all 2-0, and 3-1. and one, We were all taking, you know, because you, if you hit eighth, which most of us did. So it was a different era. But – the defensive part, uh, it, it came very natural for me, especially at second. I played a little bit of everywhere, but when they put me at second base and just set me down, then I realized, okay, I might be able to stay around here for a little while with my hands. Right. So I started working on ways to turn the double play a little quicker and release the ball and, you know, just different techniques. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful because uh, you look back uh, when I was cut from the, my college team and then went to a junior college and didn't play any ball at all, I still love to play, so I continued playing. That's why I tell young kids Hold on, today. You were cut. Yeah, I was cut from my as a freshman. I got cut off off my college team. And so, make it to the bigs and win a gold glove. Wow. Th- th- well, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> well, that's great <laughs> yeah. that you overcame that. Yeah, I was a late bloomer. I never knew that. But you know, Jim, in those days, we all loved to play. So if you we played softball, we played pickup basketball. You were playing something. Yeah. You and I'm thankful we didn't have all this stuff that you can use your thumbs and manipulate yeah, and play games, now. Yeah. So we would go to the parks, we'd play, and as I continued to play, I started growing, developing a little bit, and then it all started coming together. Yeah, I'm glad I grew up in it. Uh, the back end of the era where you had to go out and play. I mean, the only yeah. times we came home was to eat. That's right. I mean, it would be sun up to sundown, even beyond. We and would they'd have to force you to do that. Invent games at night. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, outside playing all the time. I mean, <laughs> why do I want to sit inside for? Why, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I, I'm with you. So I'm thankful. No cell yeah. phones, no Game Boys, none of that stuff. Just go play. And if you didn't have a game, as you said, you invented, you invented one. one. Play yeah. a little hot box. Or is it, oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hot, hot box. Oh, they've box. changed that now, right? Uh, they've changed it. I don't know what they call it now. but uh, Well, it was in that know. movie, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But hot box is what we called it, too. Yeah, we called it hot box. Yeah. So. Um, all right, well – I can't imagine what it's like as a rookie coming up and you're thrust onto arguably, I mean, if not the greatest team of all time, certainly in the top three around, you said the big four, mm -hmm. um, hall of famers, hall of fame caliber in Pete, obviously. Um, what was that like? Well, you know, I grew up 80 miles south, so I was a Reds fan. I mean, I remember the days of going to Crosley Field and watching Veda Pinson and Frank Robinson and all of those guys played. Ada. But there, were, there weren't any players during my time other than a few older ones, like Lou Johnson was from Lexington, Kentucky. Steve Hamilton right down the road in Moorhead. You know, Pee Wee Reese from Louisville. My dad was a really good player, as were other guys that I watched play growing up, but none of them were signing contracts, so why should I think that I'm going to get a chance to play pro ball? So your first love growing up in Lexington is you want to play basketball, which mm -hmm. I got to do as a freshman at Kentucky. And so I thought after my year I got let go at Kentucky, well, I'm going to work and go to a school and play three years of basketball. Baseball, maybe, but I wasn't that good in high school. You know, no all cities, none of that kind of stuff. And then it was just I started developing a little bit more, and, and the more I played, seemed like the better I would get and the stronger I would get. So now all of a sudden I go to a tryout camp, the fourth one, and Chet Montgomery was doing it for the Reds, and he said, what would it take for you to be a pro ball player after the fourth tryout camp? I said, gee, I don't know, Coke and a hot dog, whatever you give, guys. And so he said, I'll tell you what, we'll give you $2,500 to be a professional player. And I was about to turn 21 at the time, so they sent me down to Rookie League. When I'm at Rookie League, I'm there with 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. I'm an old man at Rookie League. And I get a phone call uh, from the manager, and he wants to talk to me. He said, have you ever played third base? And I said, yeah, played it in high school. He said, well, the third baseman in Class A ball has to have knee surgery. They need you up there tomorrow. Great. So I get up there. My manager's Russ Nixon. Russ says, "Wow." he, he knew. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky. All right, so he called me Bluegrass. Hey, Bluegrass, you're playing third tonight. So I go to third, first inning, and Russ is in the dugout going, Bluegrass, move in. No, move back. No, move over. The inning's over with. He's meeting me at the dug, uh, dugout steps. He said, you never played a game of third in your life, have you? And I went, nope. <laughs> and he looked at me kind of puzzled, and he said, well, why would you tell somebody that? I said, because I was going from rookie league to A-ball. Heck, yeah. And if you said, can you catch, I'd have said, yeah, caught in high school. Because it was a chance to move up. Well, Russ liked me and kind of stayed and helped nurture me through that year and then the beginning of the next year, and then I got moved to double-A and then – Triple A. So I went to spring training in 75, but no chance to make the ball club. I mean, you got guys that are doing what I could do. You got yeah. Daryl Chaney was an extra guy, and, and uh, Danny Dreesen was on the bench at the time. But I happened to get off hot, and I end up getting 32 hits in spring training. I think I went 32 for 90. Wow. Which, you Back know. Back when you could earn your way onto the team in spring training. And the publicity being this close to Cincinnati was so good, thinking this kid's playing awful good. What are they going to do with him? Well, I have two suspicions. One is we're going to keep him in the lineup till he plays his way out. Well, I never did in spring training. So the more they put me in, I just kept getting hits and playing, you know, third, short, second, wherever. 
As a matter of fact, I played every spring training game. When we get here to opening day, I got a picture of me and Pete, and we're leaning over the rail at Riverfront. And somebody says, what's Pete saying to you? And I said, I'll tell you what he's saying to me. He looked over at me and said, hey, kid, it's going to be the first game you ain't played in a while. Because <laughs> Sparky didn't really – he liked veterans off of his bench back in those days. Yeah. So being a young kid, uh, but uh, I had Pete and those guys. I just kept my mouth shut, did whatever they told me to do. And, and, uh, and I'm so thankful. You know, if you, if you showed respect for the game, showed respect for your teammates, plus – you didn't have – I knew that for us to win, I'm not going to be the starter. Who am I going to take, Davey or Joe's place? Yeah. So what I had to do, and Daryl Chaney helped me as much as anything, he says, you need to be the very best at coming off the bench. And when you go in there, because I would go in late. When Pete finally came to third, I'd go in late in the game for third uh, defense. Right. So the game might be one run or two runs, a close game. So uh, that they kind of initiated that where, all right, we're going to put you in there right now. Just throw you to the fire and see if you can do it. And then, of course, we had those two great years. Yeah, The chemistry on that team, and, I mean, mm-hmm. um, when you said you sat back and kept your mouth shut, but, boy, there was a lot of listening to do, wasn't there? You, you, <laughs> <laughs> With those guys? You could. They never shut up. The four of them. I mean, the big four would sit there, and, and of course, Johnny and, and – uh, they're Pete, on the opposite Pete ends were, of the clubhouse, right? Well, Pete and Joe were next to each other? They were and always talking, as you know, and still are. And, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And Tony was a guy who would stir it all up. I mean, he could come to you and say something like, hey, man, I saw you out last night. That ugly-looking suit you had on. What is an ugly-looking suit? I just got that. And so then Joe would go over to Pete and say, Pete, what do you mean I had an ugly-looking suit? He said, well, I didn't see you last night. Tony would be sitting there laughing, so he'd stir it all up, see? And uh, you talk about the, original, the glue. Tony Perez was the glue because yeah. – such a good demeanor. You've met him. He's such he was a the good instigator, though. He people, was an instigator. People talk That's about right. the, the, you know, the, uh, the characters of Bench and Rose and Morgan, yeah. but it was always Perez it stirring it, it up. That's from right. The, from what I hear. Well, the reason you couldn't say that because you couldn't understand what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's what was funny. I mean, what, and they still get on him, but I tell you, there's not a finer person in the world than Tony Perez. And man, what a clutch player. And, you know, you knew somebody was going to get a hit in those days. You didn't yeah. go through droughts where, I mean, with that team, you never saw eight guys go through a drought. Somebody was hot. I don't care who it was. Somebody was hot. And you look back at the records for those years, whew, it was amazing. They don't keep all those stats uh, uh, back then like they do now. I mean, like what did you hit after you had two eggs for breakfast and bacon over easy? And I mean, they got stats for everything they right have, now. They have those analytics. <laughs> what did you hit after eggs over easy? I don't know. There's wow, so many stats. I, in this I need to look that up. That'll be one we'll drop on the air. I found out how much I really don't know about baseball last night when we do our trivia questions, and Marty yeah. will say something about this, and and he asked a question. I went, Marty, I don't know, and he said. Well, people, that's embarrassing that you don't know the answer to that. And I went, well, all right, ask me about smallmouth and largemouth bass. Let me ask some of those people. They won't know anything about that. He said, but you're a broadcaster. You're supposed to know some of this history. I said, about the Reds? I said, I do. But I, and, so, uh, and he's fair because there was a question last night I probably should have got. But. What's it been like? I mean, you Mar- Marty was there in 75 and 76 in his little leisure suit and his poofy hair, <laughs> and he was hanging out with the players, yeah. and now it's a whole different world. Now you're in the broadcast booth with him in his final year, 46 years of a Hall of Fame career, and, and you're yeah. doing a, a handful of games, but how special That's is fine. that? It's, it's really special. Uh, you know, his first year was 74. Mine was 75. Yeah. So he kind of got – 
broke into the game the same way that I did by the same guys. Yeah. And except they, I mean, they knew how to put you in your place. And they still knew, do. And still do. And they knew how to build you up. And you back in those days, uh, it, it, it is a little bit different. But you're, you know, right. I looked the other day and someone said, would you like to broadcast full time? No, I'm not good. I like watching the game. I like talking about the game. I like re, uh, refreshing my memory as to some of the great things that happened over all these years. I love watching these young kids play. Uh, but to do it every day, that's a talent that you guys have that uh, people don't realize how hard it is. And so, I've been fooling them for years, Doug. You just see, I fooled you. Well, see, I fooled them when I played. <laughs> and sometimes you just got to look good in the lobby, as you well know. So, Well, I haven't, I haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> so I tell folks, when, when you listen, it, when you're comfortable listening to somebody, that's, that's an art. And I said, instead of being so critical, just try to listen to what they say. I mean, yeah. who, how many Marty Brennemans are we going to have? We oh. got one. How many no. Ben Scullys are, yeah. you know, I tell them my poem. You know, you had Adolph Rupp. When Adolph Rupp left, you thought basketball was dead at Kentucky. Who's going to follow him? That's, the game moves on. 150 years, the game continues to go. I heard Willie mm-hmm. Mays say one time, and I asked him, he was coaching us in New York. And I said, Willie. Man, you got to be just so busy doing stuff. He went, no, man. He said, I, I got a little few things to do. And I went, seriously. He said, Dougie, when you quit playing, they find somebody else to latch on to. And that's the way this game is. We yep. like those guys that are out there on the field. And uh, I hope I never get to the point where I, I badmouth the game so much or disrespect it ever because it has given me everything I got. So, I mean, I got good jobs. I still get appearances. I still get to come hang out and dabble in the game a little bit. It's a special game. And somebody said, well, what about when the writers and everybody rips you? And, you know, they still rip us in New York for different things. I said, you know, I'm not going to let somebody who's never gone through it steal my joy from something that has given me so much life mm-hmm. and love and, and uh, advantages to do stuff. So if somebody does that, that's their opinion. That used to bother me as a player. It don't bother me at all anymore. I don't think I've ever seen you in a bad mood. <laughs> Do you have bad moods? Uh, yeah. If I miss about a four-pounder at the boat and it could have won some <laughs> tournament, yeah, I do, man. I, but I tell somebody I've never thrown a fishing pole, so that's why I go out there. You know, you can relax. Uh, I try to wake up good every day. Uh, I, once I'm on the top side of that divot in the morning, I think I made another one. And, you know, I, don't, I think I've always been like that, but probably more so when I went through the cancer. Because yeah. you realize that in an instant, your life can be changed and over with. So uh, I, I love people. I, I love being positive. I like to hang around with positive people. So, mm. yeah, I, I've just I've been a very blessed man. Fishing. You do a lot of TV fishing, a lot of <laughs> tournaments and stuff. Yeah, they're not on TV, what? but I do a lot of fishing. Yeah. I fish um, as much as I can. But you didn't you host a, a fishing show? I've got a radio show called Big League Fishing. There we go. What yeah. do I think? It's radio. Because if I'm on a radio talking about this fish I caught, I can say, that sucker was that big. And what are you going to say? All right, I guess it was. How big is that? It's that big. You know, so. And uh, I, I'm having fun. A buddy of mine do it. He used to fish professionally. So yeah. we get up and we tell people about lake temperatures and where fish are biting and some of the changes in seasons and how you might want to switch baits. And just we're just having a good time. With is that, it. That's early in the morning, right? It comes on Saturday and Sunday mornings around the state of Kentucky. I think we're on 10 or 12 st- stations around the state. Yeah. And just having a ball doing it. You know, it's not work. It's fun. And we tape the show. We'll go fishing. And we'll rip the heck out of ourselves because we, we sometimes call ourselves good fishermen. But. We, we've been stinking it up lately. 
I mean, <laughs> really? we've been bad. Yeah, we've been bad. Haven't been catching anything? No, we've been catching, but oh. we've just not been catching enough. We're getting beat by high school kids. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start telling them they got to be 21 to fish from now on because they're tired of getting whooped by 17, 18-year-olds. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I haven't been fishing in, wow, well, I was probably a teenager when I was fishing. Yeah. I didn't have the patience for it. It I, will take that now. No, it does take patience, yeah. yeah. I, I never but had see that's patience. what I love because cell phone doesn't work most of the time when you're there. Yeah, you just go out, relax with your buddies, and fish, and and I, I love being on the water. It's it's really relaxing. Yeah. Oh, I love being on the water, but I maybe it was the I, I was catching too many catfish and get them off the line. Oh uh, yeah, I, I was like, <laughs> yeah. We'll just go with somebody who doesn't mind taking them off. I got dinged one time by a catfish. I'm oh I'm done. I'm done. That I'm stings. Done. It, it does sting. Yeah, it does very much so. Yeah, so. it does. Yeah. Catching a lot of catfish. <laughs> Maybe that's a story of my life. I don't know. All right. Catching the bottom feeders. <laughs> yeah, that's obvious with this show today. I understand. Yeah, that. I understand. Yeah. Except for my wife, though. I outkick my coverage. Oh, there. no kidding. You really did outkick your coverage there. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows you will doubt that. Yeah. I but know. that's what you want. I mean, when yeah. people see you with your wife, they you want them to go. Dude, <laughs> yeah, you don't want him to go, dude. Well, right, yeah. and then there's a the reaction of Billy Hamilton <laughs> who said, Damn, Jim, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Billy, easy. Oh, I think it was, uh, uh, I don't know where it was at. Is it you Hall miss Billy, don't you? Yeah, I miss him. He, yeah, he was a good dude to be around. I, I just sure wish he would have hit more. He'd still be oh, here. No. Don't we all? But, we yeah. all wish we would have hit more. Yeah, but he was a funny guy to be around. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, your friendship to this day, uh, is it safe to say that your best friend in, in, from baseball is Johnny Bench? Or Probably now, yes. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Joel Youngblood and I had a really special bond for years. And it kind of drifted apart a little bit. We're still great friends. But, mm -hmm. you know uh, – Johnny was he he showed up at my wedding, uninvited. Really? Yeah. You didn't invite Johnny Bench. I didn't invite anybody. <laughs> okay. I we ran like, off oh, and got oh, married. Oh, okay. Yeah, we eloped. Is that the Did word? You really? yeah, yeah, the elope. Because I knew if I got married in Lexington, I'd forget somebody. Oh yeah. And then trying to bring all of her family from Puerto Rico and Jersey and everywhere was going to be a pain. So I said, "Do you want a big wedding?" She said, "Not really." I said, "All right." So going to spring training in 82, I was renting a place, and I asked the guy that I rented the place from, do you know anybody's got a boat, pretty good size, that we'd, I'd like to get married on the boat and then go cruise the intercoastal down Fort Lauderdale? And he said, I think I can help you out. So I think my total wedding cost like about $4,000. And so I set it up. Wow, I wish I could have accomplished that. <laughs> yeah, when I tell people <laughs> that, they went, well, it was back in the 80s. No, it was just a cheap wedding, except for the boat. And he gave us a good deal. We had... Her best friend, maid of honor, my best friend, uh, best man. So there's four of us. And then I get this call on the day, and it's Johnny. He says, what are you doing today? And I said, um, nothing. He said, liar. <laughs> I said, what do you think I'm doing? He said, you're getting married, aren't you? And I went, how'd you know? He said, I called your mom trying to get your number, because we didn't have cell phones, to get your number. And she said, Johnny, I think he's running off to get married. How about that? Wow. So he said, I said, yeah, we're getting married on a boat in Fort Lauderdale. And I said, sort of jokingly, he ought to come. He said, oh, I'm coming. And I went, how are you coming? He said, because I'm in Fort Lauderdale right now. Tell me what the uh, where what dock it was at and where it was parked. And he said, I'll be there. 
Wow. And Johnny came and pretty much set up, ran the whole thing for me. He had the picture takers over here. The problem is the photographer had more pictures of Johnny than he had of us. <laughs> I was going to say. Guy made a fortune on Listen, that wedding from selling Johnny Bench pictures. Johnny Bench never met a microphone he didn't like <laughs> or a camera <laughs> yeah. when he's on, when he's got it turned on. And, and you know what? He, he can be as glamorous and as good. Uh, yeah. And I've seen over the years, you know, you hear all these rumors about all of us that played the game, you know, at times. But he's now been a co-host of my golf tournament for over mm -hmm. 20 years. Uh, we do the USA Cares together. We do Hope for the Warriors together. Uh, we do a bunch of stuff. We did the Bluegrass World Series last year where they brought in a bunch of players. So I, I'll tell you, I've never called him where he just said, no, I don't feel like doing it. I can't do it. He'll just say, let me look at the schedule. I'm good. Wow. And that's that's how Grace is. I, I tell you, he's he's gone over and above being a friend. He comes, shows up at our – what he brings to our golf tournament is amazing. We just finished. We'll raise – I think our final total is up somewhere close to $690,000. And uh, he's right there signing autographs for the kids and for the sponsors and everybody. So, uh, yeah, I love Johnny. He's uh, And he's an entertainer. He's opened a lot of doors. He introduced me to the Gatlin brothers, to the Oak Ridge boys. Uh, he introduced me to Wayne Newton one time, which – that relationship, we never kept it going. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other guys, you know, knowing I love country music, so. Yeah, I um, see pictures of you and the Oak Ridge Boys all the time. Oh, I know. We went and saw them in Renfro Valley. That's pretty good. Well. See, there you go. See, you can do that. Maybe we'll do an Oak Ridge Boys song. Like oh, Elvira. We'll do Elvira. I don't know. And, well, I just, uh, in 81, when we went on strike, I went on the road with Yokes for, I don't know, a week or two weeks or something, and just traveled on the bus with them, and they'd get me up to sing one every now and then. It was pretty fun. Really? Yeah. Very cool. It but, was very cool. But you didn't nurture the relationship with Wayne Newton. You know, I tried. You could be in uh, Vegas right now, living in a mansion. I know it. With Wayne? With Wayne. Oh, whew. boy, I got lucky then, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's awesome, the, the <clears throat> amount of work that uh, you and Johnny do for charity. I know that golf event <clears throat> in particular. Yeah, it's our 40th very, year very, next year. Yeah, it's a very, very big event. Hmm. Um, you want to play in it next year? Can you get off work? It's always the weekend after never Father's been Day. Invited. I don't think I'm a large enough celebrity to. Oh, you're a celebrity. Yeah. I'm not even a I hate that word, actually. I'm I, such a big I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. It, I'm not a big enough public persona person. How about that? That's not true. Uh, Everybody in Lexington that's a Reds fan, which there are many, mm -hmm. knows who you are. Everybody knows that. You'd be big down there. Oh, you'd be huge. <laughs> yeah. I'm such a big celebrity, I don't even play in it. Why not? Because I bring in people to play. And yeah. then Johnny and I get in the golf cart and just ride around and thank everybody. Wow. Yeah, so we don't play. Well, Johnny's it's, not playing It's usually during the season, though, right? Yeah, it's the, always the week after Father's Day. Yeah. So next year, I think it's going to be like 23, 4, and 5 of June. Wow. So, But it'll be our 40th year. I have to do every year. game. I'm the, I'm the only one that's um, – uh, dominant. I mean, uh, fortunate enough to do every game. <laughs> well, it's a new year. You might not be. <laughs> you know that's true. We're kind of year to year in this broadcast thing. I could be booted by next year. How many years are you doing this now? Oh wow! I uh, I started with Fox Ohio in the year two thousand. I wasn't doing what I was doing now. They actually had a news product. We were doing a nightly news show, the yeah. Ohio Sports Report. Yeah. Um. So I started covering the Reds then and kind of moved into what I'm doing a little bit, I guess, in 03, maybe, 02, 03. Mm -hmm. Started doing uh, part-time stuff, and then it just kept growing. I don't know. They just kept putting this ugly mug on TV. I can't believe you're, it. You're very good at it, and that's all I'll say about that. You're very good at well, it. Plus, 
I mean, look at the stars you got to meet, like David Letterman. The know. Letterman interview was cool. It's a classic. I, I got to admit. It's a classic. The, uh, I was, it's one of the few, like, you know, when I, I first started doing interviews and I'm like, wow, I, I got to go interview Johnny Bench. This, I don't know <laughs> how this is going to go. I hope I'm not nervous. I used to idolize the guy, Were you Joe nervous? Morgan. No, but oh. Letterman, though, is a different because he's he doesn't do very many interviews. He's, yeah. He's a recluse. I mean, he has very few interviews of him out there. And he's sitting in the Diamond Club, and it literally it took me seven innings to get the courage to go ask him. <laughs> really? We did that later in the game. And I'm like, ah, man. Because, <laughs> you know, he's sitting there, and everyone can see him. It's down. He's right behind home plate. So if I go ask him, and he says no, it's going to be a very public no. Yes. <laughs> It's gonna be. So could like, oh. could you see him from the center field's camera too? Yeah. So, so they were gonna shots. get you one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, certain shots. And then <laughs> you know they kept talking. Hey, David Letterman's down there, and I know people at home were probably like, "Oh, why hasn't he gone and interviewed him yet?" So I went up. Uh, excuse me, Mr. <laughs> excuse me, Mr. Letterman. <laughs> uh, but he couldn't have been me. He said, yeah, let's do it. He sure, was good. That's great. And, and uh, when he was finished, he was finished. Yeah. <laughs> he cut me off, which is I wear like a badge of honor. It's yeah. got to be on YouTube or something. It's got to be somewhere. Go back and look at it where he just, you're like, all right, we're have a nice day. Nice to see you. He basically cut me off like, all right, I gave you enough. Because he actually, we stayed through the inning. It was uh, two half innings that we interviewed him. So You know, it's really wild because um, when I was in New York, I never went to any of those shows. I was there four years. So I don't even know. Who was on then? But because when I get home, it'd be pretty late from the ballpark, as you know. But I get a call one day and says, uh, "Doug, uh, this is so and so from the David Letterman show." Okay, I'll do it. Uh, no, that that's not what we want. Oh, you want me to call Johnny? What? <laughs> I get a lot of those calls. Said we've got a writer, and what we do for all of our writers on the Letterman show, we have a mystery guest call in on their birthday. So we want you to call in. You can disguise your voice if you want. And then you start giving little facts to the birthday boy until he guesses it if he can. So we found out that somehow I was this guy's favorite player playing wow. in New York. Yeah. Well, writers. you were a Met. And I was a Met. So I called him up and I said, all right, I can't say who's in the trade. I was in the Seaver trade. He'd know that. Can't say I hit three triples in one game. He'll know that. Can't say I'm the only second baseman to win a gold glove. He'll know that. So I started thinking. So I disguised my voice and I went through about two questions and then uh sitting there and my accent gave because even though i disguised my voice i still had an accent and he said is this doug flynn and it was really cool oh that's and, awesome yeah and they do that for all of those guys that are on there so pretty neat that's tremendous yeah. well i mean you know you go you still go to mets fantasy camp right i mean yeah. and we were up there a couple of weeks ago went up to the stadium are you bigger in mets country or reds country oh i it depends on in what vein you are looking at <laughs> i am the guy that was part of the Seaver trade yeah, so that's some true. people still won't forgive me. You know, well, that's true. They're not, they're, they think I made the trade. It was straight and, up trade, right? It was, it was just straight up. Yeah, me, me for Seaver, straight up. And um, so they won't. And then the people around here, <laughs> as far uh, as everyone knows now, Seaver yeah. <laughs> straight up. Well, that, that's a true story, though. I mean, I was sitting there. Yeah. On, you know that story. I mean, that's yeah. that was kind of comical. But uh, here, you know, people, Reds fans, because that was such a special era of baseball. Yeah. That they knew all of us, and I mean, when you tell people you were a part of the big red machine, and, and and then now because you know Pick and I doing our TV show together, and and then getting a chance to broadcast, people know who you are. So yeah, and and you know, how can you beat this area? 
this is great. I mean, Cincinnati and Lexington, we're 80 miles apart. Right. That's some of the most beautiful country and best people in the world. Well, no doubt about it. I'm blessed every day. I, I still can't believe I'm broadcasting Reds baseball. Mm-hmm. I've had opportunities to go elsewhere, and I know people are saying, gosh, darn, why didn't you take those? Um, you, turned you, them all down. you got to be happy where you are. Yeah. You got. I mean, and the grass is not always greener on the other side. Oh, believe me, I know. Oh, there's a couple mm-hmm. that I turned down like, oh, it might have been a little different story. <laughs> that That's when you talk to your wife. Yeah, I know. And yeah. uh, they have that little button in there that they can push, and they can discern really good yeah. when our emotions are getting in the way. I'm probably the only reporter in the history of television that's never applied to ESPN. Never. Never wanted ever. to. Ever. Never wanted to go. And I know people there, too. High-ranking people. Yeah. Probably could have got a gig there, but. I don't know. I think you've just, just like uh, what I do in here in the small town USA. This is a great town, though, USA. Yeah. I mean, believe me, you got five reporters in the locker room after you play a game here in those days. You got 105 in New York. Yeah. And all of them looking for an angle. Right. Well, we go around the league, and, you know, the cities that we go to are tremendous. And some of them are great to visit. Yes. But if you had to live there, I'd be like, oh. I mean, this is just a you get a big town feel. Big city feel, I should say, but in a small town kind of world. Yeah. Um, I, so. I mean, if you think traffic is bad, like when you're coming across the bridge, like when I drive up every Monday and you come yeah. across the bridge, all right, so I'm slowed down a little bit. Okay. I was in New York oh. two weeks ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, we, This is nothing. Yeah. We were in Southern California, um, and we, we've been there three times already this year as we record this, and... We were going 12 miles, I think, to a restaurant. And it, the GPS said, one hour. <laughs> what? Are you we're walking? 12 miles. Get in the car, it's quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought about that. You know, if I was a runner, I could run faster than, than that. That's amazing. And it was like, it's like if I had to do this every day, I just. Take me now. I love, I mean, you, we, as you get older, too, you start loving those conveniences. But, yeah, I, this is fine. We don't have to wait in line to go eat or yeah. you're in the car and, you know, you wave to somebody and they don't flip you the bird, you know, you just, <laughs> or they don't roll the window down and fire at you. So it's, yeah. there's a lot of advantages to living around here. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. Now, one of my favorite comedians, in fact, I saw him the past couple of years, is Jim Brewer. Now, oh, yeah. You... He goes to fantasy camp, right? He and I you, talk often. Do you really? Yeah, we do. Oh, see, now I'm jealous of this because he's a funny man. He is a very funny man. And about three years ago when he came to his first fantasy baseball camp for the Mets, uh, you don't want to impose on somebody like that because you know they're getting away. And But I watched the way he was handling all the campers and the things he would say and do. And we got at the banquet the, the first the last night that we were there and – he was feeling pretty good, so I went up and said, you want to do 10? He went, yeah. <laughs> and, and That's a pretty good impression. Yeah. Former Saturday Night Live fame, by the way, Jim Brewer, now yep. stand-up comedian, those that don't know. Yeah, he's one did Goat Man. Goat Man. Yeah. Goat Boy. Goat Boy. Goat Boy. Yeah. You know how he got started doing that? He and his friends would go into a bar, and they didn't have a lot of money, and he would kind of start imitating that to the bartender, and the bartender loved it, and the more he did it, he gave him free drinks. Wow. So he started doing it, and then, you know, the character went pretty good. He's a wonderful guy. He's funny. He's a family guy. Yeah. And every bit of his humor comes from his kids or something that's happened to right. him. And But he uh, – so he got up and just tore it up. I mean, he, he got on – he starts imitating some of us. 
So he's getting on Duffy Dyer because he played on Duffy's team. And it's just he's uh, he loves it. And then, of course, we had Josh Sneed, who's gone to Red's camp, and Josh right. gets up and does some stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. All good. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. No, when you're storytelling and you, you know, I mean, you can go into your archives of uh, the team that you played on, mm-hmm. the, the players you've played around. Uh, I know you have to feel like you're uh, very, very blessed from a – kid from kentucky that yeah. got cut from his freshman <laughs> college baseball team which is amazing to me well they had some pretty good players there and i wasn't one of them <laughs> i tell you know i played three sports in high school i played basketball baseball and football was not very good seriously and, and people say oh you had to be away i mean when you make all city and no, no they make all city they all state no they make all state i barely made all team uh, i was lucky to be on a team <laughs> but you know I, I started in all of them but i i wasn't i was okay I was okay, but not very good. And then, you know, going from five foot eight as a, a freshman in college to almost five eleven and gaining some, you just started. I just it came around a little bit. And then, thank goodness the Reds did tryout camps, and Chip Montgomery was there, and Russ Nixon liked me, and I had a hot spring, and we went to World Series. And uh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, when I hear people tell stories about – and the doors that it's open, who can pick up the phone and call some of the people that I can now, that's all because of this great game of baseball. I hope people don't lose sight. This is a one, It's 150 years we've been doing this. Yeah. Let's not screw it up too bad with some silly, detailed stuff. Let the players have some fun. Let them play. But let's let them respect the game too. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, I'm not going to call you a turd. Even though you were in the turd group. But, see, I I would wear it as a badge of honor, though. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that story. Hey, you turds. <laughs> yeah. You bunch of turds, get your running in out there. So, one day we attacked George Sugar. He was backing up, and Plummer said, let's go get him. And he tripped. <clears throat> and when he tripped, he cut himself. And we all felt so bad because there wasn't a nicer guy in the world than George Sugar. And then we became – a certain kind of turds. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent <of> turds. <laughs> <laughs> but you call right now Daryl Chaney or any of the boys, and they'll say, yes, sir, we was part of that turd group. I bet you I'm have. thinking of getting a T-shirt and have, an, and have the 17 of us on there that weren't the grade eight and just say turd to the big red machine. But I got to find a way to, you know, that's – you Josh wouldn't want Schneed your kids. your man. I know, but you don't want kids having to look at that, so – so I, I'm thinking of instead of putting turds, put um, yeah, but turds those is un- mi- in today's t- day and age, t- turds is mild. I know, but T U R D S. It could be those unknown reds deserving something. <laughs> That's pretty good, right off the cuff, yeah, right there. That yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. See, we could brainstorm here. All right. Wow. I like All that. Right. I like that. You know who would have been a good turd? Casey. Sean Casey. Oh yeah. If he wasn't so good, he'd have been a great turd. Yeah. Because he'd been on the bench. Do you think we wouldn't be laughing on the bench with him? Oh, are you kidding me? He he would have been a good one. So, I'm, I'm still – my face still hurts from the podcast. <laughs> I mean, don't he's like Gary Mule Deer to me. When I see him, I just start laughing. Yeah. You know, because he just makes you feel good about yourself. He's a funny guy. Yeah. And as genuine as they come. People Amen. ask me all the time, is, it, is that just a show? No, sir. No. He's like that all the time. 24-7. He's Trying to get guy. him to fantasy camp. He keeps saying he's coming, but he won't. Like him and Tracy yeah. Jones. Tracy can't come now because I know Tracy probably listening. Tracy, you can't make the lineup now. Wow. Lineup's got young and good, and you ain't. You think Tracy Jones is listening to this podcast? Oh, you know he will because he's trying to steal every line he can from you. 
I don't have any lines. <laughs> well, he'll steal some, a thought. <laughs> have you? I listened to him and Marty. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. I need to get him and Marty together on this podcast. How about that? Well, you might have to go cable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can bleep things out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it might go cable. That's uh, you I know, let Marty and, say a cuss word on a previous podcast. I just let it go. Marty said a cuss word? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. I mean, I've known well, this man went, a long time. Yeah, Listen. Okay, yeah. There's Marty on the air, and then there's Marty off the air. I, yeah. You know, I think we ought to do a show in there. And I've been pushing for an HBO special yeah. called Between the Innings. Well, yeah, that, or they should just let him do a game that's only on, like, Sirius XM. Oh, like, what's that guy's name on head the TV show? Uh, remember the broadcast? Brock Meyer? Brock Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. No, he should do a game as the as Marty, as the real Marty. And, and, and you know, there would be, it would be R-rated. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's very passionate. It would be he's entertaining. He's passionate about the way he broadcasts the ball game. Yeah. But you know would. what? He, it, uh, all right. I can't tell you this on the air. I'll tell you this off the air. Oh, you're no, it's not a story. Me. No, it's okay. a, it's not a story. It's about what's going to come up in the future, uh, which will be pretty cool. But and you're going to have to help me with it. What you're going to do for him in the future? Yes, in oh. September. So, and I have to help you with it. I'd love for you to help me with it. Okay, hey, you in? I'm in. I'm in. All right, because by that time he'll only have a few more. Yeah, games what's he going to of- do? Release me. Well, I'm I'm careful with him because he's got three hours of an open mic every night. So, it's, good point. He just and he he's not a me. he's not oh yeah he's, he's not afraid to just bury you no publicly. and now he's on social media burying me so oh my goodness yeah it's oh like I did twofold. help with that one night though you did yes I did <laughs> I'm sorry he's I feel bad about that now that yeah, I did Marty help. Marty posts these awful pictures of me I mean my I, I'm not photogenic wait, 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 anyways we're in Pittsburgh I think. I don't even remember, but not even photogenic at all. But then he takes pictures of me at my worst moment when I'm looking my fattest, or I'm looking pale, or it looks like I'm taking a selfie when I'm actually holding my phone out because my eyes I can't see it. You know how you do? I don't have reading glasses. I've on. heard about that. So yeah. I'm okay. holding my phone out, you know, so I can see it. But the angle that he shot the picture looks like I'm taking a selfie. Like, you know, I'm just sitting in the lobby like, hey, how you doing? Take a <laughs> selfie here. And, but now he's got stringers. Oh, you know, yes, he does. Yeah, like you. Well, that was only, I only did it once. Yeah, Tom Hume I mean, in I spring training. You, I'm going through oh, the. Don't bu- tell me he's got Tommy oh, Hume oh, no, doing Hume, it. Hume, Hume, I'm going through. I'm out with the season ticket holders in right field at Goodyear, Arizona, and there's a buffet there. So they're like, hey, Jim, have, come on, have a sandwich. So I'm going through the buffet line, and Hume takes a picture of me going through the buffet oh, line. Oh, that's wrong. And how about, you know... Well, the Reverend Marty Brenneman has corrupted Tommy Hume. Yeah. Wow. Well, he's corrupted you, too. The salt of the earth. Just once. Once. I asked for forgiveness, and I'm fine. (laughs) He's got stringers on me now. I got a clean slate now, so I'm good. I asked for Uh, forgiveness, and I'm all all clear right right now. That's all right. I'm very self-aware. I know I'm a dork. I'm a nerd. I'm not photogenic. I've got a little bit of a belly going on. I, I, I understand. Wow. I'm an easy target. If I knew you were that bad, I wouldn't have done this podcast. Holy <laughs> mackerel. <laughs> no, it's all good. Life is good, man. I'm very blessed. It is. And this is how many years with the Cincinnati Reds? <sighs> I don't know. I, I guess yeah. 19 if you count. See, time's but, flying, man. Yeah. It's going fast. I mean, who'd have thought? Baseball's 150 years old. Yeah. And when I look back now, and I know people that, that uh, really came up and watched us, I mean, John, Pete Rose is 78 years old. Yeah. Johnny's 71. 
I'm the baby and I'm drawing Social Security. I'm going to start. I'm going to start because I'm old enough to do it. That's amazing. So when you think about how fast does time go, so when you look at some of these fans out here and they remember the big red machine, most of them are going, <laughs> And then you go, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> that was pretty good. Right there. <laughs> That's how I sound on TV sometimes. What do you say? Oh, I, I hate, I don't ever listen because Marty's so good with words. Oh. You know, I mean, I don't know what half of them mean. Oh. The games I filled in last year in radio, I'm like, I'm following this guy? Yeah. There we, you know, and I know when I open up the broadcast, you can hear it's almost... <laughs> You could just hear it across Red's country. Oh, man, Marty's not there tonight. Who is this? You know, it's like, oh. It's like, uh, people, I'm just filling in. I'm just filling in, filling in some gaps. I'm sorry. I See, that's the way I feel. Every time I come, I feel like, hey, the Clampets are visiting Cincinnati. All right, well, thank you. Well, even on TV, his son's pretty good. Tom, yeah. I mean, uh, when he's, you know, a big call. Tom Brenneman is as, as good as, as anyone that's yeah. ever done the game. So I'm like, man, I'm filling in on radio. I got to <laughs> follow a Hall of Famer. I'm filling in on TV. I got to follow his son who's been doing it for 30 plus years. Yeah, but <sighs> see, the good news is that when it comes out of our mouth, most of the people know what it means. <laughs> What's ubiquitous mean? What are you, what are you doing? What? Uh, what? What's your kind of word he said? So when I get home, I mean, my folks are country. Everybody yeah. I know back home is pretty country. Matter of fact, when I married Olga, that was a tough word for most of them to say. <laughs> How you say that? Alja? What? Agla? All right, we're going to name her Helga May. <laughs> so most of my buddies call her Helga May now. Come on, really? <laughs> I promise. True if story. I drop a Helga May you, on her? If she'll be right comfortable uh, with it. Wow. <laughs> Love me some Olga. Speaking of... of uh, out kicking your coverage. Oh, yeah. You, you, you did as well. I did. She's 37 years worth. 37 years. Yep. That's tremendous. Congratulations. Thank you. That. Thank you. That I is awesome. I don't know how I've put up with her, but <laughs> I've done all I can. You know, you make sacrifices in these marriages. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, just don't know how I've been able to put up with it. I, I'm the same way. I don't know, but, I, you know, I figure if we got 37, we might as well go on with it, you know? Absolutely. Well, do what we can. Well, lots of luck achieving 38 after this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll just find something else yeah. to argue over. So Yeah. Yeah, hey. and everybody says, so you've been married. One Has it been that good? Well, let's be honest, 37. Six out of 37 were pretty good. The first one was a bear. How we stayed together is a miracle. I mean, it was, it was horrible. We did, I did some stuff that nobody should have stayed with me. Yeah. And I'm talking about, like, leaving her at a restaurant one night when we were in Texas. Uh, all the guys were out. I can't tell this on the air. People think I'm a very terrible person. <laughs> well, we'll just leave it at that it but was we, a rough but year. But we ended it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, it wasn't, you know – messing around nothing like that it was just stuff that i would do because i had you know i was 30 years old yeah i could go home at night and have an offer and, and uh sit there and relax a little bit pet my dog and all right next day let's go now i gotta go home and go so have you thought about taking extra bat in practice <laughs> uh i took extra bat in practice well so-and-so's doing it and he's hitting pretty good <laughs> really i gotta listen to this 
<laughs> so we went, we went through She's a lot. She's getting naughty about hitting. She I love burying me, and it was a trend I that has continued now for all these years. <laughs> I love that, Olga. Thank but you for that. She'll be the first one to come to my defense too. So. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, that's no, my baby. Are, you guys are good people, as I said at the top of this. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite guys. I appreciate mm-hmm. you doing this and going down memory lane. Uh, good laughs. I appreciate it. Man. It's an honor to do it, and uh, you're right. We are good buddies, and I appreciate it too. Thanks, Jim. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Doug Flynn. You've been listening to the Jim Day podcast. If you'd like to follow me in my uh, weak comments on social media at Jim Day TV. Actually, I don't do much on social media anymore. But if you'd like to keep up to date with um, things going on with this podcast at Jim Day TV on Instagram and Twitter. And again, if you could help us spread the word on this podcast, I hope you subscribe, you'll rate, you'll review, and look forward to the next edition. And thank you so much for joining us here. For Doug Flynn, I'm Jim Day. So long, everyone. Until next time for the Jim Day Podcast.